We, uh, we're glad you're here, and uh, I really thought that was going to be like odd coming after in Christ alone, too, by the way, I meant to say that. So. But no, uh, we are really glad that you're here, and uh, this is, uh, this is awesome, uh, obviously uh, an awesome time of year for us to uh, remember what God has done for us uh, and how he has intervened in the world. I have people say things to me all the time like, you know, in conversations of like, you know, well, the world being the way that it is and it's so bad and all of these things. I mean, it's real easy to focus on that stuff, let's face it, that, uh, you know, then they'll say things like, well, don't you just think that God should intervene? And he has. He has intervened. Uh, he intervened by sending Christ as a child, as a baby, born of a virgin. And, and uh, during this time of the year, obviously, we get to focus on that. Uh, but uh, I, today we're going to talk about that, obviously, uh, as part of our Starlight series. But, uh, you know, the, this, the whole idea behind this is that, uh, that Jesus came as light. We talked about that last week, and we're going to continue talking about that today. Uh, but, but I'm going to switch it up just a little bit today, where uh, we're talking about Christ came as light, and, and we know that. But, but Christ coming as light, what does that mean for us? What does that, what does that leave us? What's that leave for us? What does that challenge us to? And I think that those are, I think those are great questions for us to ask uh, at this time of year. So we're going to be talking about that stuff. Uh, before I even get into that, before I forget it, next week, and I purposely haven't said anything about it so that nobody could like plan too far ahead, although I've heard some have planned far ahead, ugly sweater contest next week, all right? And if you think you've got the stuff, you bring it. But there's, there's going to be instructions, and we will post those on Facebook this week, so you can look for that, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. So yes, do that next week. All right, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to uh, the book of John first, the book of John. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one. We're going to John chapter 8. Uh, we'd love for you to be able to follow along. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to keep that one and consider it a gift. Uh, so um, you can follow along with us, and uh, I think it'll be good. Uh, this first that I'm going to read real quick uh, is one that uh, we studied on last week for just a few minutes, and I wanted to bring it back to kind of uh, to tee us off today on uh, uh, what we're doing. I just used a golf illustration. Check that out. I don't golf, so whatever. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 12, it says this. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We know, um, we know from, I mean, just history. We know from, if you grew up in church at all, you heard it taught, uh, if you've been to a church in a million years, if you've watched much TV in the last, you know, however long, uh, we've heard at some point or seen at some point the story of Jesus played out. Uh, I, I took a trip to uh, Illinois this week real quick and back, uh, and while we were there, we were kind of out in the boonies, and uh, when we were driving through all these crazy roads, we passed a church, uh, this little small church, uh, and uh, out front, they had the classic, and I love these things, the classic 70s 
uh, nativity scene. You know what I'm talking about? The plastic ones that are like, you know, they're, they're like smaller, they're, they're a little bit larger than most children, you know, and, and just a little bit creepy and, you know, like usually the paint's all faded and, you know, half gone and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and we're riding down the road, and it's actually a pastor friend of mine and I, and we were going to pick up a truck that I had bought months ago, and I still hadn't gone to get it. Figured out better before they took it to the scrapyard or something. And uh, anyway, we were going up there and driving down this street, and here's, and here's this nativity scene, you know? And, and it's the scene, you know, as, as we know it, except I'm guessing the wind had had its way with like the wise men and you know a couple of the shepherds like there was a whole there was a whole bunch of them laying down I don't maybe it was a maybe it was a crime scene or something but uh, but uh, you know it, I mean you know it, you don't you don't have to go too far to have seen or be knowledgeable some way shape or form of the story of what God has done through sending Jesus as a baby into this world. But in the sending of Jesus to this world, he did something amazing. He did something that we, that we read about and, and we see uh, even leading up to his coming, which is this word light. Light surrounds the whole story of Christ's coming. Uh, you know, light guides them. We'll be talking about that next week. Uh, guides us too. Uh, and, and, and he is the light. You know, there, there's just so much to this whole light thing uh, that, that we can't ignore it. And it says again, verse 12 here, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you a passage. We can turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. And in Luke chapter 1, we have this passage that uh, belongs, I say it belongs, it kind of doesn't really belong, but I guess it was, it was given to uh, a guy by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah was, uh, was John the Baptist's father. And so, you know, we, we know a little bit of the story of like, uh, you know, this whole like coming of Jesus and the baby. And, and then there's even the story of, of the coming of John the Baptist, the baby. And, you know, Mary and Elizabeth, and they're talking and all this stuff. And I don't want to get into all of that stuff, but there's, you know, they're talking. They're, they know what's going on. And, and it's been given to John the Baptist's parents that John even had a purpose here, that this baby that was coming also had a purpose here. And in Luke 1, we see this dream that God bestows on Zechariah here. And, 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 and here it is, verse 67. I want to read this together. It says, And his, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the land of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his holy covenant, the oath, and he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now here it is. Check it out. Verse 76. And you, child will be called the prophet of the Most High. So this is, this is the vision, this is the dream that God gave to Zechariah 
about his baby to come. We're not talking about Jesus here. We're talking about John the bee here, okay? And, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's strong. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So this is, this is Luke 1. I mean, we, we, we're great. We, you know, we always focus on, we're always focusing on, you know, Luke 2. We'll talk Luke 2 here next week, you know. Some of that, especially Christmas Eve. By the way, we've got a Christmas Eve service coming. Make sure you're there for that. You know, I think that sometimes we miss other parts of the story. And when we look at it completely, I mean, God, God didn't just like haphazardly one day, one day go, well, you know what? I think I'm going to send my son down there. I think, I'm, I think, you know, I think that seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah, I'll send him down there and, and you know, people can get forgiveness of their sin and live forever and be a part of the family and, and all of these great things. That would be good. That sounds like a good idea. This is part of a plan. This is part of a master plan where God has worked in and through these people. I mean, this, is, this, is, this was written before Christ was born, was written before John the Baptist was born, that it was penned that we would have the dream that Zechariah would have that God gives to him to tell him, your kid is going to go before the other kid, and the other kid is coming to save the world. I mean, that's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. I mean, I, I'm lucky if I can plan one complete day of my life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like God, God foresaw the need and the, and, and the purpose here and the calling that he would put on John the Baptist. John the Baptist, when he's grown up, he, you know, he doesn't even have to worry about like what his calling is. Like his dad already knew, you know, what kind of pressure is that? Like, hey, guess what, kid? You're going to grow up and, and prepare the way of the Lord. You're going to be the guy that, that goes and, and gets everybody ready. Last week I talked about John the Baptist being the hype man, you know? He, he, he was going to, to be that guy to get everybody ready for the message in which Jesus would bring, which was going to change the world. Absolutely amazing. i got to go back to verse 76 and read this again. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Not saying that he will be the Most High. Saying he will be the prophet of the Most High. He will be the one to tell of him coming it says, going on there, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. I mean, just imagine, imagine being John the Baptist. Imagine having an understanding of the gospel before almost the entire world has a real understanding of the gospel. Like getting to be the guy who you know you got the news 
And then it's up to you to like start going and like priming the pump because Jesus is coming right behind you. And like, hey guys, guess what? This guy's coming and he's coming to change the world. He's coming to bring forgiveness of sin. He's coming to redo the whole thing. It says in verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. And it goes on, it says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You feel like you feel like there are days where you're sitting in darkness. I think we all have those days where we feel like that from time to time. And sometimes those days like creep up on you. If you if you if you if you've ever struggled with depression or anything like that, and I have, okay. Uh, if you've ever struggled with anything like that, I, I can just tell you, you, you there, there's days where stuff like that can just hit you, and you don't even know what's wrong. You're like, what in the world is going on? We were having, you know, this was a good day until like five minutes ago, and I don't even know why it's not right now. I think one of the things that attributes to our feeling that way sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, is the fact that we're missing what our calling is. John the Baptist knew what his calling was, but do we know what our calling is? Do you know what your calling is? Do you know, do you know what God's called you to? There's some, there's some pieces in here that I think are really strong for us. You know, John the Baptist came to tell of the story of salvation and forgiveness and, and all of that due to, as it says, the tender mercy of our God Verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, I, I, think, I think for so many of us, I think we, we miss seeing the light some days. We miss seeing the light. Not only do we miss seeing the light, we miss being in the light. You know, we, 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 we compartmentalize so many things in our lives, don't we? And, and, and the truth is that for so many of us, we do that with our relationship with Jesus. And we've, and we've made a relationship with Jesus out of, you know, just, you know, these certain times in our life, not just our life. And, and the truth is, is like if you had asked John the Baptist, we went back then and, and asked him, like, you know, well, what's it look like for us to walk in the light? What's that look like, John? John would be like, well, that's... That's every day, that's every minute, that's every moment. Jesus gave us instruction for this. And I just, uh, the more I thought and prayed about this series, the more I thought, you know, it's, it's easy to come and, and just celebrate the coming, the birth of, of Jesus. But I, I think Jesus would want us to look at that and say, what's that mean for us and how does that challenge us and who we're called to be? Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, in the midst of this fantastic passage that we have here, he talks about being salt and light. And he says this, verse 13, says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on under people's feet. 
you are the light of the world. This is Jesus talking to others, talking to believers. He's saying, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what's it look like for us to be light, what's it look like for us to walk in the light? How do we do that? Uh, you know, Jesus uses this illustration of the whole saltiness thing. The last time I preached about this, I remember talking about saltine crackers and how most saltine crackers aren't even salty anymore. I'm like, what is the point in that? I know you've noticed this, and we should all, there should be an uprising because it is jacking up the taste of chili for me because I eat crackers with chili and it's just a thing, you know? But, you know, saltiness, you know, what, what's, what's salt if it doesn't taste like anything? I mean, it's, it's pointless, right? I mean, we don't need more salt in our diets, right? So why would we have salt if it didn't taste like anything? You know, and, and Jesus is saying, you know, why would you use salt? Why, why would, you know, if you lose your saltiness, if we lose our saltiness, what are we for? What are we for? It says, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He's saying you have a purpose. John the Baptist had a purpose. Purpose for John the Baptist was to let the world know that Jesus was coming. What's the purpose for us? Well, he's saying it right here. You are, a light of, you are the light of the world. City set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Other people should know Jesus because they know us. It's just that simple. Other people should know Jesus because they know us. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's our purpose. That's our calling. If you're looking for purpose in this life, that's it. You say, well, Chris, I mean, that's not really telling me about like this like job change I'm thinking about. That's not really, that's not really telling me about whether or not I want to take on this position thing, or uh, that's not telling me if I really want to get involved with this thing at school, or, you know, Chris, you're not, you're not giving me the answers I'm wanting. You're telling me, you're just saying that I'm supposed to be salty. You're saying I'm supposed to taste like something. You're saying that, that, that others should see Jesus and know Jesus because they know me. I'm also saying that our lives should be about his glory. Where does it end? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus came as light of the world, not just for us to have a cute story, not for us just to have plastic 70s, you know, nativity scenes that look like a crime scene in the front yard, right? Jesus came 
that we might also be light and walk as light and be light in the world as he was the light of the world. You see, we can't be light to the world without him. You know, we, we could try, you know, and, and, and we do that. You know, you know, let's do, you know, let's do some nice things. Let's do, let's do good things for people, you know. And, 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 and sometimes we do that, but sometimes we do that with the wrong intentions. Sometimes we do that because we want to feel good about ourselves. I had this fantastic conversation with uh, Mickey Dice uh, Friday night. We were at the uh, graduation for new firefighters recruits um, in, uh, here in Pleasant View. And, um, and if you don't know Mickey Dice, you're missing out. He was the principal for a long time. Uh, how many years? You know? 25, around 25 years, he was the principal at Pleasant View Elementary. Uh, some of you, he, if, if, just out of curiosity, if you went to Pleasant View Elementary and he was your principal, raise your hand, just out of curiosity. This would be interesting. Yeah, I figured. People all over. And, and so, I mean, just awesome, awesome dude. Loves Jesus. Uh, 24 Church met in Pleasant View Elementary in the very beginning uh, for the first two and a half years, basically until the school board like finally just like shoved us out the door. Uh, like they, yeah, so there's lots of cool stories that go along with that and how God worked. But anyway, Mickey loved us being there. He was awesome to us. And he and I were talking the other night, and, and he gets it, man. He understands. And, and we were just talking about how awesome it is to... I was, I was talking to him about different things in ministry that fuel my fire and get me jacked up and have helped me to uh, uh, not burn out in ministry and that kind of thing. Uh, and, in, and a lot of times it's different types of ministry. It's getting to do stuff with our firefighters. It's getting to do stuff with our baseball team and, you know, all these other things. And, uh, and, he, and he just looked at me and he said, you know, I just wish so many people understood how awesome it was, how awesome it is to get to serve others. I said, man, you are so right. You're so right. And, and, we, and we stood there and we talked about that for a little while. But, but we live in a world that is all about us. And serving others is not even on the radar for so many people. And, and so many people who call themselves believers, serving others is completely not on the radar. Let me, let me just say, and I, I think if you've been around 24 for any length of time at this point, I hope you know this, but serving others is completely on the radar for this church. And like where God is leading us and taking us and the vision of why we would even be talking to architects and electrical engineers and banks and builders this past week, which we have done, the only reason that we're talking to those people is because of the others. It's because we know that God is calling us to reach people that we don't have room for. When we start that, it's going to blow us up. But guess what? It's going to take people to serve. It's going to take people to love others. There's been plenty of times in my ministry when I've thought, you know, I just want to take a break, you know? And I think it's okay to take breaks. But we can't retire from the calling in which God has given us, right? John the Baptist, never along the way, was just like, hey, guys, I told you all about Jesus. Now I'm out. I'll catch you all later. No. John the Baptist told people about Jesus until there was a crime scene. They killed him for telling people about Jesus. What is our life if it is not for the glory of God? What is it? What's it for? Is it to collect stuff? 
I sure hope not. I'm really good at that. And I just tell you, junk is junk. I don't care how good it looks, it's all junk. I sell it, piddle, you know, whatever. People get mad at me calling it junk. You know, oh, you ever buy this junk? That's not junk. I don't care, whatever. Junk to me. <laughs> just a bunch of junk. Can't take it with us. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus came, not for cute stories. He came to give us our purpose. He came to save us. He came to bring us out of the darkness and give us the light that only comes from him that we might in turn go and show it to the rest of the world. Let your light shine before others so that it may be so that your good works may be seen and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I've talked this week with social workers and firefighters and all kinds of people who see all kinds of stuff on a daily basis. And, and, and you, it's your job, whatever it is that you do, or in your home, if you've got kids, God bless you, and you're at home, and you're staying home with those kids, let me just tell you, my wife can attest to this, you need Jesus, right? And you need Jesus to deal with these people, and I don't care if it's like people that you work with or people that you're working for, people that you're doing jobs for, or if it's those kids at the house, you need Jesus, right? You need Jesus to be able to love those people. And as silly as that sounds, the truth really is true that we need him to show his light through us because left up to us, we'll be like, forget you, I'm out. Jesus has called us all to where we are. The calling of our life is where we are. You say, well, Chris, I'm not even sure where that is right now. Well, that's your calling. Congratulations. Welcome to no man's land. The truth is, is that God has put people around you for you to be light to. He's going to continue to put people around you for you to be light to. He's going to continue to do a work in you and use you for his glory. That is the purpose of our life, that people would know who he is because they know us. I'll keep saying it until we get it, which will probably be until I die or they kill me for telling people about Jesus, whichever comes first. Ephesians 5 says this in verse 6. If you want to go there with me, this is a, this is a challenging passage. This is a challenging passage that, that Paul gives us. I, I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't teach this and not share this passage. Ephesians 5, verse 6. And I think this is, this is of course, Paul uh, in this letter to the church at Ephesus, but I think it is so good for us today to hear this challenge. And it says this, verse 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Right there, Paul is, I mean, he's just, he's just setting the stage. Let no one deceive you with empty words. What does that mean? It means that there are people that will deceive us with empty words. Some of those people, by the way, will claim to be people who love Jesus. And it's, and it's a sad thing, but it is a true thing, and Paul talks about this in Scripture too. I'm not interested in trying to call any of them out this morning or whatever, but there are tons of those people out there who claim to love Jesus, but the truth is, is that they will deceive us with empty words. How about instead of 
people's words, we go to the heart and soul. We go to Scripture. We let God lead us as a people, as individuals, as families. Let no one deceive you with empty words. It says, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That don't sound good. Verse 7, therefore, do not become partners with them. Do not become partners with them. Paul Paul is making a stand here, and he's saying, look, you got to be careful who you allow to be the people that are going to speak into your life. Whoever those people are, they, they need to be people that are seeking Jesus. Not just random people, just like, oh, they're a good friend or whatever. Look, we need people who love the Lord and love us in the same way that they will be honest with us and that they will push us toward him. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Verse 8, for at one time you were in darkness, this is amazing, but now you are light in the Lord. I'm going to read that again. For at one time you were in, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. You see, you see, you see what Paul's doing. He's laying out a map here and he's saying, don't get mixed up with a bunch of people that are going to lead you astray. That includes who you're listening to. That includes your friends. It includes your podcasts. Whatever it is, got to be careful. Got to be careful. Walk as children of the light. For you at one time were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try, verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. There's, there's, there's work right there. There's some work right there. Try to discern. That's tough to do sometimes. How do we discern what is right to the Lord? What, how, how do we discern what God would want for us? And, and I'll just be honest, it's as simple as this. We test it against his word. We test it against his word. We test it against his promises. We test it against who he is. If it's contradictory to the word, we know, oh, well, yeah, that's, I am absolutely amazed at how many people are misled by people who claim to teach things about Jesus, but yet they are promoting and teaching things that are contrary to the Word of God. And it's all because you know something's not PC today or whatever it is. I'm just telling you, we got to watch for that. Paul talks about it a ton. And I'm watching it on social media all the time. With, oh, hey, listen to this person, and did you read with that person? And, you know, and it's like we become little mini followers of these people, and, and many of them are teaching things that are just not biblical. It goes on here, it says this. It says, after and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So we have Paul talking about, he's obviously he's, he's talking about, you know, we've got to be careful about those people. We've got to expose those things. We've got to bring those things into light. Last week I talked about how we as believers, even that it is good for us, and while we see Scripture teach us, which we are not good at doing this, at confessing our sin to one another. And the reason that that is good is exactly what he's saying right here, verse 13, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, 
For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. It's real simple. It's real simple. We just got to be careful. We got to be careful with what we let in. We got to be careful with, with who we're listening to. We got to be careful with with the people that we're allowing to have a say in our life. Sometimes we get desperate. Sometimes we get desperate and we make decisions based upon what we think we got to do and there's no other way and there's no other decision. I'm going to I'm going to marry this person because they're the only person that's probably ever going to love me or you know whatever it is, pick your flavor. I mean there's so many ways to look at that. I'm going to get in business with this person, you know, and and I don't care that you know that they don't think the same that I do about, you know, faith and all those kinds of things. Listen, I'm just telling you, Paul's Paul's word is so good for us. Paul's word is so good for us that he he's trying to help us. He's not, he's not trying to come down. He, he's, he's trying to help us. He's trying to cause us from being in the pain and anguish of falling into some of these things that we know is true. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, that's the topic of the day, isn't it? the will of the Lord, God's purpose for our life, God's purpose for our life. I talking with one of my buddies here recently about this, and I, it, it dawned on me, I hadn't talked about this in quite a while, but, you know, we're created to worship. Did you know that? God created us as people that will adore, you know? I mean, Find a collector of anything, and you will find somebody who adores something. I was at somebody's house recently, and they were like, hey, let me show you something. And they whipped out a knife collection on me. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about like they had, a, you know, they had a couple of case knives you know, in their pocket or something here or in a drawer. I'm talking about they had rolls. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but like there's these things you can put knives in, holds like 150 knives in one roll, and they had rolls of these things. And each one of these things, they're whipping these things out and rolling them out on a table for me. And I mean, I don't know anything about any of that stuff. I mean, I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool, you know. But they're like, oh, yeah, and here's this one, and, and he rolls out this one whole thing. It's like every one of those knives look exactly the same to me. He's like, well, those are like 1800s from... France and this and their milk this and their that and you know I mean it's cool stuff I mean just the I I, I can appreciate the the craftsmanship you know that, that goes into making stuff like that and he's showing us and I'm like oh this yeah this is cool you know and I mean just you know and this guy loves Jesus by the way but I could tell like he adored those things and 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 we all do that with certain things in life we were created to do that. 
The trick is, is that we've got to pay attention to what we adore. We have been created to adore our creator. We were created to worship him. And if we're not careful, we put other things on the throne of our life. Louis Giglio wrote about that in a book called The Air I Breathe and that I wrote that I read uh, years ago when I was in college. And it just completely changed the way I understood worship. Because so many people, and, and me included at times in my life, and I hear the word worship, I think about singing songs and reading scripture. And obviously, those can be those things can be worship. They can also not be worship if you know we make them not. But you know, the truth is, is that we were created to worship and we're always putting something on the throne of worship in our lives. God the Father sent his son Jesus that we might adore him. That we might love him and that we might allow him to change our lives. Not because of a cute story but because he loved us and he understood something that we have to understand for ourselves and it's, it's a very simple thing and it's this, that we can't do it by ourselves, that we have fallen short, that we have sin in our lives and our sin, as the book of Romans teaches us, separates us from God and we need Jesus to overcome that sin. Jesus took the death that we deserve for our sin on the cross, and by trusting and believing in him, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. Not of one sin, of all of them. Not yesterday's sin, not today's sin, not tomorrow's sin, all of them. He didn't pick a calendar date and say, well, I'll take care of the sin for this guy between here and here. No, he just said, he's good. I'll take the death for every sin that he hasn't even committed yet and still love him and still care for him. That, my friends, is a loving father. That he would send his only son to do that for us. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, it says, But we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been given a purpose that we too would be the light that Jesus came to be for others to see and know him and be changed by him. Not because we're powerful, but because he is. Not because we've got it all figured out, but he does. Darkness is a weird thing, isn't it? It's a funny thing. I don't know when the last time was you walked through your house and stumped your toe because you couldn't see a large item on the floor left by a child. Maybe that's just my house. 
Or like me, Monday night, when I was stepping out of the van, as we were about to go and try to enjoy our first dinner out as a family since we've had this baby and everything's been going on and it's been a little tough on my wife and all of those things. And I stepped out of that van just as we were leaving. I thought, I'm going to go ahead and get the mail. We're right here. And I stepped out into the darkness and I rolled this ankle. I mean, I rolled it. It popped the whole bit. I mean, and I've done it. I can't tell you how many times I've done that in my life. You've known me for any length of time in your life. You've seen me limp at some point. That's just a thing. But I rolled it, heard it pop. I went down. And I'm laying out there in the yard right by Bearwaller Road. My wife gets out of the car. She comes around. You know, we're out there, I don't know, 10, maybe 15 minutes or something. I don't know. I'm laying in the yard. The cars are riding up and down the road. There comes a point where I feel like I'm supposed to wave or something, you know. <laughs> Nobody stops. Not that they should. I'm glad they didn't, you know. It's so funny how we choose sometimes to walk in the darkness, isn't it? when we know what the truth is in the light. And that's that God provides for us and guides us and gives us what we need. And even, and even on those dark days for us, when we're seeking to be happy with something here in this world, the truth is, is that there are no fixes here in this world. We need Jesus. He is the light. And he's the one who gives us what we need. This morning, I pray that we would be about the light, that we would be about the light where we go, in our jobs, in the things that we do. I've got a friend of mine that I grew up with that uh, posted something that uh, I wanted to share with you. He posted it two hours ago. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Posted this this morning, and I was like, man, that is so fitting. His name's Chad Oliver, lives in Princeton, Kentucky. We lived up the street from each other. We stole each other's mask vehicles and transformers and everything else. It says this. It says, by the way, Chad works. I think it'd be, I don't think he, number one, I don't think he's going to mind me sharing this. Number two, I hadn't asked him, so whatever. Chad, thanks, buddy. He loves Jesus, let me just tell you. If, if he thought it would glorify the Lord, he'd be all about it. Uh, he works at Walmart. says this, says, As much as I feel like giving up at times with my job, having to deal with self-centeredness, greed, and ugly behavior, I know that God has placed me at my job for a reason. Yes, I'm at my place of work to do a job, but my absolute first and foremost reason for being at my job is to be a witness for Jesus Christ and to show the people, and then he, here's the people, customers, co-workers, boss, that I encounter on a daily basis that there are truly good, honest, caring, loving Christian people in this world. As a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, the way one approaches their work should be totally different from the way others approach their work. The Bible says in Titus 3.14, 
Our people must learn to spend their time doing good in order to provide for real needs. They should not live useless lives. That sounds like a loss to the saltiness right there. goes on, says, for a Christian, there are two purposes of work, to do good and to provide for real needs. Yes, God wants you to be productive in your work, but he also wants you to minister through your work as well. The Bible says that in your work, God doesn't want you to mark time. Man, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? You're not just there to earn a paycheck and go home. God wants you to mark lives. He wants you to make an impact with your life, and he wants you to influence people for good. Ephesians 2.10 says this, says, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. He, he might as well be here preaching today. Do all your work in love. Do all your work in love. Do all your work in love. We are saved to serve. And we are made for ministry. No matter what kind of work you do, God wants you to use your work to help other people. We serve God by serving others. When you do your work with an attitude of love, it turns normal, menial work, regardless of what it is, into ministry. Jesus loves you. Always love. God bless. Chad. We just have to be reminded every once in a while. That's all it is. It's not that we mean to go off the rails. It just kind of happens sometimes. We just kind of lose sight of what the purpose of our life really is. That other people knowing Jesus because they know us should be a thing. This morning, in light of what Christ has done, in light of the sacrifice that was made, we're going to spend a few minutes remembering the sacrifice, remembering the death, remembering the cross, remembering the bloodshed, remembering the life, the perfect life that Jesus lived, the sinless life that made him the perfect lamb to be slaughtered on our behalf because we can't keep the law, we can't do it, we got sin, and man, do we need a Savior. And he's the only one that could. So this morning, we'll take of the Lord's Supper in communion together with one another. We will be reminded of the sacrifice in which God has made. As we take the Lord's Supper this morning, I want to remind you that uh, anybody that is a believer, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, we invite you to be a part and take part of that with us today. Um, that is, you don't have to be a member here. We don't care about that. We care about whether or not you are a member of the family of God. That's what we care about. If you're not, if you're not a Christian and you're thinking about this today, just know myself, other people will be hanging out down here in the front during this time and after the service, and we would love to talk with you, pray with you about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to believe. We would love the opportunity to do that, and we invite you to come. I'm going to pray over our time, and then I invite you to come and remember what God has done through this cup and through this bread. Let's pray together.
God, we come and we ask that you would help us to be in the right spirit and the right heart. Lord, as you have called us in your word to be before we take part of this sacrament, before we remember what you have done, God, we, we just come to you and we just say thank you. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for a life lived. Thank you for the sacrifice on the cross, for the blood shed that covers our sins. God, thank you for forgiveness. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would lead us to you, that you would challenge us, Lord, to follow you, to be who you've called us to be in this life. God, thank you for what you've done through your son, Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be the light that you have called us to be, that you have put in us, that we would let it shine for all to see. God, we ask all this in your name. Amen.